I'm matchmaker Maria, the founder of Agave Match. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions and interview experts to give you the tools to find or keep the love of your life. This is Ask a Matchmaker. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm Maria Evgatidis, better known as Matchmaker Maria. My guest is the host of the Seeing Other People podcast, Ilana Dunn. Ilana, welcome to Ask a Matchmaker Hotline Edition. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this for so long. I know. And we've had to like reschedule twice, but I'm really happy you're here. <laughs> I'm happy I'm here. We made it. We did it. We, we did it. We did it. Cause like the first was your reschedule. And then the second time was my reschedule. And yep. it was just really, it was, it was great, but you know, we're here. We, we did it. it. Like you said. Just like, like a date. Sometimes you have to reschedule once or twice, yeah. but if both people want it to happen, that's it will right. Happen. That's that. You know what? That's it. That's what it is. We're done right. here. So Alana, let me tell you about today. Someone sent me a photo. It's an oldie, but a goodie. I'm sure you've seen it before. Okay. So today I got a list from someone that said, this is the dating advice from the 1950s to help you find a husband, the oh mid 1900s. I'm going to hate every as single thing on say, here. Uh, I coach teenagers in Greek theater. And one of them asked me if I was born in the late 1900s. So they're no longer alive. Um, You know, had to murder them. (laughs) All right. You ready? Let's do it. I got a list of, I don't even know if it's like the same list. I got, I got, I don't think it looks like she sent me two screenshots. One is one through 12 in a red font. The other one is 14 to 25 in a black font. So I'm pretty sure these is two different articles published in the 1950s. Okay. So where to find a man? Here we go. Get a dog and walk it. You know what? This is not actually bad advice. I like that one. I offer Barkley up to people all the time because he is such a conversation starter, like social lubricant. I actually like that one. Social I don't know lubricant. if I'm going to like the rest, but I like that one. You know, I told a client once um, that next time she goes to the dog park, uh, I'm going to, or, or Starbucks. Uh, or the supermarket, I'm going to need her not to wear her AirPods. And she really, you know, she really got upset by the suggestion, but you know what? The first day I swear to God. Okay. The first day she did it, right. She like literally 15 minutes after we hang up, she heads over the dog park, dog park, no AirPods wearing a blue Jersey dress. And a guy, the guy that she's been eyeing for like weeks just came up to her and was like, Hey, my name's Jason or whatever his name was. And they, they went on a date like the next day. It makes such a difference. If you have your headphones on, if you're looking at your phone versus if you're not, and this is actually advice I gave to somebody today who asked about meeting people in real life. It's Uh like step one is you have to show up somewhere. Step two is you have to put your damn phone away. Look approachable. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number two. <laughs> okay. This is good. Have your car break down at strategic places. Oh my God. Because that many women were driving around the 1950s first off. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I mean, this is a time before women were allowed to get credit cards on their own. Yeah. That's uh, funny. um, okay. Number three, attend night school, take courses men like. I didn't hate it until there was that little caveat about that men like, 
but it's not a bad idea. It's like similar to, you know, join a kickball league or go to a slam poetry night, whatever, like to put yourself out there in the position to meet other people. So I don't entirely hate it. You know, this is not going to be on the list, but if I were to make a three B, I would say like join a Dungeons and Dragons league at night, because let me tell you those nerds, they make excellent lovers. Okay. Uh, join a hiking club. This is uh, pretty risque in 2023 as we've learned. Um, okay, here we go. Ready? This is amazing. This is again, 1958, uh, look in the census reports for places with the most single men. Nevada has 125 men for every 100 females. It's not the worst idea I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, I would tell, you know, I think women sometimes ask me like, where can I meet men? And sometimes I do think about that. I go, you know, San Jose, St. Louis, Denver, and all my listeners in those cities right now are like throwing up, but it's true. Like there are more men there than women, Seattle. And you know, what's funny is anytime you go to a city where there are more men than women, the men are always really good looking because they have to compete. Yeah, that is true. I I'm dying to know you posted something on your story the other day about someone who was cheating, I think. And, and everybody oh, yeah. wanted to guess where that person was. And you're like, I'm not going to give up the name of the place. It's, it's been can't. on my mind. Do you have a guess no. though? I want to see it. The only thing, let me hear your guess. You get two yeses. I'm not going to tell you. I truly wouldn't know. Like I, I would not know is the thing I'll give. So for those who don't know, you need to head on over to my Instagram highlights and find January 9th T. And in fact, today in a WhatsApp chat, someone said, how's the January 9th girl doing? Like that's become like a title. And, um, I can't say the city. I did ask two people from that city. Like, am I wrong here? Am I like, am I, am I disillusioned? And the, both of them were like, yeah, you can't share that city. So it's a small city. It's not New York. It's not DC. It's a small city. Um, and how many January 9th birthdays can there possibly be? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Here we go. we got another one. Okay. This is a really good one. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't agree with it, but it's, it's funny. Uh, read the obituaries to find eligible widowers. Oh my God. <laughs> this is wild. You know, what concerns me the most about this one, if uh-huh. I really think into it for a second is if you're just now reading the obituaries, that person is, they have a long way to go in their mourning and grieving and healing process. Well, let me ask you a question. You know, you're on TikTok. Have you landed on Brooks widow's wife's TikTok yet? No. What? Are you serious? This has consumed my FYP. Oh, I now so there's I mean, this woman my named, phone's I listening. Think, it's gonna be the I first think, thing on my FYP. Yeah, after right. This, but... I think um, I mean, I don't remember if it's her or if it's the woman, but apparently, okay, so this one woman. She posted on, she posted on TikTok, a video of this other woman who was pregnant. She goes, that's my baby and that cute tummy, but that's not me. And then I guess, so like that woman, she passed away in childbirth, which is completely tragic, obviously. Right. But then this woman goes on, like she shows the photo of her holding the baby and the baby looks like four months old. And then they got married like very quickly after, and then they've had two more kids, but she's using a woman's tragic death as clout. Um, I I don't know what the agenda is here. Right. But it's all over, like, just, you know, 
Like I would, I would murder my husband. I would haunt him for the rest of his life. If you know, like, so this, this news, the newspaper thing, I mean, look, there's two ways about this because it just kind of reminds me of, um, I hung out with a friend yesterday and she's older and she said that if I died, my husband would be married in six months because he's codependent. He can't be alone. And I, I understand that that's happened to a few members in my family that are older. Like, uh, my, my great uncle, he, his wife, you know, died on a Monday. He was remarried by the end of the month. Oh my God. (laughs) Because he didn't know how to boil an egg, you know? Um, I'm not saying that's right. I just understand why this is advice in the fifties. It happens. Yeah. Yeah, It happens. Just, you know, don't do it. I don't know. There, there are other ways. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to skip a few. Some of these people already do sit on a park bench and feed the pigeons. I mean, okay. All right. Are you ready for going on? Get a job in a medical dental or law school. So get a job in a medical school, law school. That's not bad advice. It's not, but there is that issue you run into where if somebody's a student, they might be focused on school and their career and they might not be looking to date, but they might have friends who are. See, okay. Number 14 is, uh, this is what I did. Ask your friends, husbands, who the eligible men are in their offices. That's literally, I was like, I need you to, you know. I need you to invite me next time you're out with your friends. I'm surprised at how practical this list is. Yeah, it's not bad. All right. Get lost at football games. Yeah. I don't know how that helps anyone right now. Everyone's on their phone. That's true. That like your true. soulmate could be passing away while you thumb away another soulmate online as yeah. you wait in line at like the MetLife Stadium. But I mean, that's a real football stadium, but MetLife does suck the battery out of phones. So if you're in like the third quarter, you never know. You might have a dead phone. They might have a dead phone. You're both trying to get a drink. The line is long. Anything can happen. Get a job demonstrating fishing tackle in a sporting goods store. What? (laughs) I don't think I would get that job because I don't know what that means. Okay. Number 23, go to all reunions of your high school or college class. There may be widowers there. That's the full statement. Oh my God. Not to meet anyone else just because there may be widowers there. Yeah. (laughs) Don't reconnect with like Becky who like you play field hockey with. (laughs) Oh my God. That's really John's wife died. Go talk to him. Yeah. He needs someone. And so do you. Um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to associate with more attractive girls. They may have more leftovers. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Let's see. Let's do one last one. Get a government job overseas. Wait, wait, that's not the last one. The last one's going to be volunteer for jury duty. That's my favorite one. Have you ever done jury duty? You know, I haven't. And I'm offended because I feel like I would weirdly find you should it go volunteer for jury duty. <laughs> it's my new calling. Um, okay. For real. You've never done jury duty. No, I I've never. Oh my God. You're missing it. out. You got to do it. I don't understand right? people who want to excuse themselves. I'm like obsessed with you. I got jury duty in 2012 on Valentine's day of 2012. Like, how dare you? Like that's like the busiest week of my life when it comes to press. Like I'm already booking my, my stuff for that week. And I know I'm going to need a vacation like the following week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I had, I had, I got, uh, I got 
jury duty on February 14th of 2012. And I remember everyone kept saying, like giving me excuses of like how to get out of it. And I came into the idea of like, I guess I need to get out of it. Like I didn't appreciate what I was saying no to. And then I'm waiting in line and there's all these people just giving their reasons why, like I was like number 200. So I'm watching like a hundred, 200 people in front of me, like tell their reasons to the judge and the judge is like saying yes or no. And it was really funny because when you go to jury duty, and I did jury duty in Manhattan, that's like literally, it wasn't 20 people, it was like a hundred people. It's like, if you picked 100 random people in Manhattan, what would they look like? And New York City, I never appreciated how diverse New York City was until I was in jury duty. And I was like, wow, we are all so random. Yeah. And then I got picked and I thought my answer, again, I came into thinking like, I'm not going to get picked. So someone, like one of my friends said, like, you should tell them that you're a matchmaker, which makes you very judgmental by nature. Mm. And I was like, that's a great idea. Again, thinking I want to get out of jury duty because everyone's talked about getting out of jury duty. So it comes to me and they're like, like the, the attorney, I guess, or the, the, what's it called? Yeah. The prosecutor. He was like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I'm a matchmaker. And he's like, oh, so do you judge people for a living? And I oh go, yes, 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 I do. Thinking again, like, let me get out. And, and he's the like, judge is like, great, accepted. And, and, and I became four man, four woman. I'm like, how does this happen? Like, what? Oh my God. And it ended up being a criminal case for two weeks. And I learned so much uh, about our legal system. It's crazy. I learned what it's like to be with 11 other people who come like just just, you know, random people. And I'll tell you something. I was single then. There was one hot guy in my jury pool. And I remember, I remember every corner of his face. And I was so maybe, yeah. maybe this is what people need to be doing. Volunteer. I don't, can you volunteer for jury duty? I don't know. Could you, I mean, I was, uh, could you imagine like you're, you go to jury duty and then like, you have to do like some forensic accounting case? Like, ugh. I'm Googling go it. Can you volunteer? Yeah, you can volunteer. You go the to the most boring case ever. If you're in New York, nyjuror.gov, click volunteer and fill <gasps> out the questionnaire. Are you serious? Yep. Could you imagine? Oh, someone said you can't volunteer. You can't volunteer. Well, Google's oh. wrong then. <laughs> Google is wrong. Uh, well, what have you been doing? Thank you for playing this. Uh, I don't know if it was a game, but thanks for listening to these lists, these this ways to great. meet men. Amazing. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by the list, I will say. This is good content for your, did you know, series on TikTok? Talk about it that. It is. I will. I've been, yeah, I've been trying to, I want to expand the, did you know, series to include actual facts. So tell my <laughs> listeners what your series is. Tell, tell us, tell us a little bit more about you, your dating act. Like where's your dating background coming from? Tell, you know, give my followers a sense of you. Yeah. So I worked at hinge. I ran their social media for a little over two years And I ended up in a role there because of how bad my dating life was. I felt like I was at rock bottom. I felt like I was so alone in what I was struggling with. And I saw this job and I was like, wow, if I could use the skills that I have to help even one person not end up feeling the way I'm feeling right now, not end up in such a horrible, heartbreaking situation, that would be all worth it. That is Is my new Is this paragraph two in your cover letter? Is this what you pretty much, pretty much. So I, um, ended up getting this job and, you know, I was really running the hinge social media for a while. And my face was very much on it. Like everybody knew me as Alana from hinge and 
for the first year that I was there, I kept things very surface level. I was just, you know, kind of actionable advice that Mm -hmm. I got from the internet, from anyone else. And at one point I decided to kind of change my mind and actually open up, not necessarily about the dates I was going on and what was happening on them, but about what I was struggling with Mm -hmm. and the breakup I was going through and how isolated I felt and how difficult of a time I was having. And that was really this like light bulb moment where the DMs were flooded. My email was flooded with people like thanking me for showing this side of it because, you know, you open social media, you see happy couples everywhere and you just feel like, well, what's wrong with me that I can't have that. And so that really was so eye-opening for me. And I started just diving in headfirst into being vulnerable and authentic on social media. And I wanted to tell more of my stories and also create a place where other people could come and share their stories. So that's what I do with seeing other people. And um, I've been doing it for two years and I have experts like yourself on the podcast. And I also have episodes every Thursday where my listeners come on anonymously to share what they've been through and how it's impacted them and what they've learned from it. So that's what I do. When people call in on Thursday, are the stories like, oh, here's my breakup story. Here's my ghost story. Or are they like happy stories? Like here's how I met someone and I'm so happy. Any Anything in between, you know, it could be somebody telling a story of, one of my favorite episodes, uh, a woman came on to share her story of finding out that she got herpes mm. and how it impacted her dating life, how she thought her dating life was over and how she had to navigate telling the person who gave it to her and all of the emotions that she went through and going to a herpes support group and thinking that it was going to impact her life in a hundred different ways. And she is engaged now to the love of her life and realized that once she got over the initial like trauma of realizing like, oh my God, this thing happened. Like it actually didn't impact her in the ways that she thought it would. Right. Um, so it could be anything, you know, some people talk about getting ghosted and how it led them to meeting the love of their life or people. I had an episode today come out where this man shared that after 14 years of marriage, his wife realized that she was a lesbian and he ended up meeting somebody shortly after who became the love of his life, but she was not okay with the friendship that he had with his now ex-wife. So any really, there's such a wide variety of stories that people share. You just have like an open mic. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's one person, an episode, and it's, it's so beautiful and incredible. And I think all of these people who come on are so brave that they're willing to open up and share this just in the hopes that it will help at least one person. That's awesome. Uh, when did you start, um, seeing other people podcast. I started seeing other people the first week of January in 2021. So we just hit the two year mark, which is wild. And you guys are doing so good. Like you're doing so good. I mean, I don't know why I made that a plural and masculine and I apologize for that, but you're doing so good. And that's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. It feels really, really incredible to know where I started and and where I'm at now. And that in a way it's been two long years, but it's only been two years and this still feels like just the beginning. Absolutely. Okay. So are you ready to take on some questions on today's Let's hotline episode? Yeah. So welcome to the ask a matchmaker hotline. How can we help you? Hi. Um, so I've been dating someone for about two months. Um, things are going well. He lives about an hour away from me, but we only see each other like one to two times a week. We talk on the phone in between, Um, you know, I've met most of his friends, some of mine. So, you know, it's going well. Um, we're 
feel like pretty confident that he likes me. He's affectionate, um, but he's not a big texter and he's not on his phone. Um, he can't have his phone at work. So I don't necessarily expect to receive like text during the day. Some sure. hear from him at all nine or 10 PM um, on, you know, days when we're not t- just kind of like inconsistent. Um, he's also big on like roasting via text. It's hard to like understand context or like hear intonations. Sometimes it just comes off as like nagging a little bit. Um, I have definitely an anxious attachment style. Um, so if we go a day where we're just texting and we don't talk on the phone and I don't get that full context, um, I'll start to like panic and assume something's wrong when a lot of times there's like nothing wrong. Um, there are times when I need friends to like calm me down a little bit. Um, and so, you know, overall, like I feel like things are going well, like I definitely want to continue dating. Nothing's like worth ending things at this point, but I also acknowledge like for my own sanity, I can't necessarily keep getting into this like panic cycle. Uh, it does take a toll on me. Um, so I guess my question would be like, what's the best way to talk to him about needing more reassurance, but like in a lighthearted way? Cause I don't want to have some like heavy conversation that makes it into a bigger deal than it needs to be. But I also like want to get the point across that I need. Alana, do you have any, I have so many, but I'd love to hear your thoughts first. I, have you guys tried voice notes at all? So he doesn't have an iPhone, so I don't even know if they can do that. Um, he's like an Android. But he's, he's got like a brick. <laughs> okay. I will say my brother <laughs> has a brick as well and he can send, they just send as little voice audio files, but he and I do that frequently and it, it, it is helpful. I've been in this situation before and I know exactly what you mean with that, like that pit of anxiety of like, Oh, like I haven't heard from him. He hasn't texted me or we've only texted a bit today and I haven't heard from him on the phone. And the way that that can just become this overthinking spiral when literally nothing is wrong. I've been there. And there was one time where I finally was like, I like this guy and things seem really good when we're together. And I can't keep feeling like this way when we're not together between dates. And so I finally said to him, maybe it was after our like fifth date or so, I, I think I brought it up in like a, this might sound weird, but sometimes I feel like you hate me when we don't talk that much during the week. And I'm not sure if you're just uh, not a big texter or if you actually don't really like me as much as I think you do, but it makes me feel really anxious. And I don't necessarily want to tell you, you have to text me all the time, but if we could figure out some form of having a little more communication between dates, I think it would feel a lot better for me. And he was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea you were feeling that way. Like, yeah, I'm a terrible texter, especially during the work week. I'm never on my phone when I'm at work, but if it will make you feel better, I will try. And he put in so much effort and actually became an amazing texter. And it showed me more, more than the fact that he was texting me more. The bigger takeaway was, okay, I expressed my need to this person and they were able to show up for me and mm-hmm. show me that they care enough to put in that effort. Carly, yeah, I, I want to go back to your original question, which is like, how do I not make this conversation really heavy? And I feel like, I don't know if those were the exact words, but that's maybe what I understood. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's well, the words that you're using. I feel like they're code word war code. Excuse me. I think it's coded language for, how can I tell him my needs without coming off as needy? needy. Is that accurate? 
Definitely. Yeah. Right. Um, why do you think that communicating pretty reasonable communication standards is needy? That is the question. Yeah. And I've been asking myself that a lot, right? Like I, it's, I think I've definitely had some experiences where I've expressed or, or asked for things in previous relationships. And I've been met with people that have been more avoidant and have been not willing to kind of give me basic things. So I think this is definitely some like, you know, trauma from previous relationships where I am afraid to like have those conversations. Um, but I just, I think my fear is like, I don't want to come off as like, I don't want it to seem negative or like for me to bring down the tone. Cause like when we spend time together, like he's really funny, it's really lighthearted. So then like, it almost feels like it's like dampening things to like, be like, okay, well, I actually want to have like a serious conversation, you know? Right. Okay. So I can understand what's happened in your past relationships. Um, you self-identified as someone who's anxious and what typically happens in those relationships and with an anxious, and I don't know, I'm assuming you just use, you identified your exes as avoidant is that there's like this catch 22 relationship. And that's, a, that's essentially where your trauma is probably coming from. Right. So, uh, what happens in those catch 22 relationships is that on one end, you have the anxious person who needs validation, reasonable validation for most people. Right. And they need the acknowledgement and the other person's not giving it. So you might text them first, or you might compliment them first, or you might do things first in order to trigger the projected response you want from them. The avoidant person doesn't do that. And, but that confusion and that anxiety is very addictive, right? So I need you now to take a step back from that scenario that you've had in the past and I want you to think about what does it mean to be in a secure relationship? So let's just pretend for a second that you did not identify as anxious. You identified as secure. Do you think a secure person would feel like they're threatening the future of whatever this is for asking for some sort of communication throughout the day, if that person can, right? Like, you know, somebody in the comments just said that they're dating someone who's in the SWAT team. I mean, that's, that's a kind of career that might be hard, right? Or if you're dating a surgeon who does 12 hour surgeries, these people are not texting, right? So let me ask you a question. Does the person that you're dating, does he have a career where he can text throughout the day or call you, let's say at 5 PM after work? He cannot text when he's at work. He does. He, it's a, he, it's a, um, like confidential, like he can't have his phone on him when he's working. Okay. So now you're going to wear a rubber band. And if you are thinking about like, does he like me between the times of nine to five or whatever time he gets out, you're going to rubber band yourself because that's not him. This is you. But now let's yep. talk about how you're going to make it work at the end. Right. So I remember I had this one client, she's actually on my podcast a few months ago. Um, her, she met a guy and he doesn't, he's not a texter. That's just, and he told her, I'm not a texter. And she told him, well, I am. So where's the, where's the middle ground here? And what they decided, what they're, you know, what they compromised on. She said that to him, like, you know, I'm a texter. I need to communicate when I feel like something is missing here that I need. And I'm telling you, like, here are my needs. So here's a compromise that we can do. Whatever happens every evening, we're going to FaceTime. And that's what they started doing. And it got rid of that texting relationship need. And then it turned to like, wow, we're checking in every night with each other. And I'll just take you like, let's just say it works out with this person. 
or any person you got in the future, I just want you to know that there is a point in your relationship with anyone where you just stop texting altogether. Like if I showed you screenshots of me and my husband's text messaging, it's like buy vitamins, you know, does Alexander need a new diaper? Yeah. (laughs) Like there's a point where it's like text, 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 and it just collapses. And what you're asking for is so valid. I think a lot of people are going to relate what you're asking, but I think you just have to remind yourself that your needs are insanely reasonable and just communicating that by saying, you know, all you simply say is, you know, I really miss you today. And I've noticed that I'm missing you most days. So is it possible for us to FaceTime every evening or right after work on days that we're not going to see each other? It would just make me feel so good to see your face and hear your voice. So when this episode comes out, you're going to like voice note that and memorize it because that's essentially, that's all you have to say. Did I sound threatening to you? Do you want to break up with me? No, no. And that's exactly what they're going to think too. Yeah. Thank you. No, do you, do you, I mean, if you disagree, tell me. No, I don't disagree. And, and it's, you know, Android thing. I don't know if we can FaceTime, but we can talk on the phone. Which oh is my like- God. FaceTime now has a link and you could just send them that, but you could just zoom it or I'm, I'm, you could Slack. I'm, there's like a What's million that? ways. Instagram, Instagram video, video chat. Yeah, there are like, ways. There are there's ways. Will, there's a way. Yeah. Like I, don't let, t- you know what? Buy him a fucking iPhone. Tell him to get with the blue <laughs> bubble crew here. How many months have you been dating? About two. Has he been inside you? Yes. Oh, then come on. Come on. Like you can, you can ask for a video date. Come on. (laughs) Skype, download Skype. That still exists, believe it or not. There are ways. I also want to add one thing about, you know, this is a trick that I did when I would get really anxious between dates. I would, when I would get home from a date, I would write down a note in my phone. This is how the date went. This is things that we laughed about. Here is how we left the date. He texted me right after and I feel really good right now. And there is literally nothing for me to worry about that way. 48 hours later, when I would start to spiral, I could actually reference back and say, no, Alana, everything was great. Voice in my head, be quiet, shut up. You don't belong here because everything is great. And I'm not going to sit here and convince myself otherwise based on not getting a text back for a few hours. And I also would write down you know, every single time that I have panicked that I haven't heard from him, guess what? Every time he ended up texting me and like stick to those facts and remind yourself, these are the facts and anything else is just things that I am overthinking and making up in my head. I mean, also like the biggest reminder is just remembering why you're incredible. Um, I like, that's the list I have in my back pocket. Like I remember a single, that was the list I had. And I know it sounds narcissistic, but it's true. Like I wrote down here are the 10 things that make me incredible. And if he didn't call after a certain amount of time, it's like, wow, it's your loss. Like, holy shit, you just missed out on the biggest opportunity of your life. (laughs) Yeah. What a douchebag. What an idiot. I don't want to be with an idiot. That's an idiot. So I'm not worried. I I think, look, just voice what you need and hopefully he'll step up. And if he doesn't, that says way more about him than it says about you. Yep. You're right. Thank you. You got this. All right, let's take our next caller. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker Hotline. How can we help you? Hi, Maria. So I have been single for about nine years and I've pretty much done it all. You know, I've taken app breaks. I've tried dating in real life. 
I had a dating coach. I've been, tra- I've traveled alone. I have um, done tantric sex workshops. I've swam in the ocean. I've Add tried that to- into the 1950s list. Hello. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I don't usually get past three dates until I kind of lose interest or I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, and I cut it off after three dates and, you know, how do I just not lose hope? I guess, you know, is it, is it just like luck timing and fairy dust or am I doing something wrong that I should be concentrating on? Good question. I don't know you. Okay. (laughs) But anytime someone tells me that I go on three dates and then I lose interest, I immediately think like, Oh, I wonder why she's losing interest. Does she have, is she meeting people that she's just no longer curious after three dates? She gets everything she needs and she moves on. Uh, is there a heavy dose of FOMO, uh, fear of moving, of missing out? Um, uh, and, or, um, you know, does she, does this person feel like, uh, they've adapted to constantly being on the hunt because maybe they are used to um, being self-sufficient from, let's say, a traumatic childhood where they've had to always learn to just like, you know, what's it called? Uh, protect their own inner circle. So you just don't, you know, the moment someone gets a little too close, it's like, well, okay, I think I've lost interest because I don't want to bring you in because to bring you in would mean to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So which of the, do any of these things apply to you? <laughs> Um, well, I would say I, I did say I lose interest after three days, but you know, sometimes it's a mutual thing. Um, I would say it's like, I don't usually get past three dates. Okay. Um, but does it, is there FOMO? I don't, I think it's just, I want something. I tend to like the exciting, shiny men. Um, what's an exciting, shiny man. Ooh, an exciting, shiny man. Um, just someone with a lot of personality um, that may or may not be a heavy drinker and a narcissist, but, but I mean, I recognize that guy exists. What shiny personalities <laughs> and not narcissists. <laughs> no, he, no, they are narcissists. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So hold on. Okay. So we're attracted to the shiny pennies. What makes yes. them shiny? Oh, um, they are, I just find them, well, I think, you know, and I think I've listened to your podcast enough to know that, like, I get that little, like, anxiety feeling in my gut. And I'm like, oh, I like them. But I think it's just, like, anxiety because I know they're unavailable. So uh-huh. I, I reckon I'm very self-aware of all my bad dating habits. What makes um, them shiny? <laughs> I, they're just exciting. What makes them, ex- you're just using other. <laughs> I know. I, I cannot believe this right now. This is like a thesaurus uh, of, of answers. What makes them exciting? They, I don't, they're unavailable. <laughs> they're, oh my God. Oh. That is a breakthrough. Holy smokes. So they're not exciting. They're yeah. not shiny. They're unavailable. Wow. Right. Do you, do you realize you just solved you just answered your own question now. So it's like, why am I not going on third, fourth dates with people? I'm dating unavailable people. And I, you know what unavailable people are really good at? 
the first three dates because mm. they have learned to give good first date. They have learned to give good second date. I remember I dated this one guy, uh, apparently all of my friends dated him at the same time. Um, and we didn't know by the way. Um, but what I remember the most about him is that my God, his first date was amazing. And it's because he knew all the right stories to get you to a second date. And then he knew all the right stories on a second date to get you a third date. And then it's like, and then I remember by the fourth date, I was like, wow, you're actually dim. I don't think I could see you again because the shiny penny had just no longer become shiny, but also this person was unavailable. They were interested in something else. So now to go back to your question, why aren't you going on fourth dates? I'm wondering now, why do you keep dating men that are unavailable? Like, you know, it's not like, where are you finding these guys? I know they exist everywhere. And I would tell you that like 30% of men are unavailable emotionally. So Mm -hmm. what I'm wondering is when I think about someone who's exciting, uh, excited uh, of shiny pennies, um, what they tend to like is the roller coaster of anxiety. They like the pull and push the chase. They like that. And they confuse that for courtship. And that's mm-hmm. not the case because the person that you want to date, the guy that you want to go on a fourth date with, he's actually quite boring in the first two dates. Like, you know yep. why? Cause he's actively listening. He's not leaving you confused. He calls you when he says he's going to call, he orders you an Uber to take you home. Like he's not, you're it's just boring and I mean boring in like the most positive way yeah yeah I was gonna ask going off that have you had any dates where maybe it doesn't even make it to a third date where it's a first date or a second date and you're like this person's fine but I don't feel that that spark that anxiety I isn't there so it must not be right have you had any of those situations yes I did date a guy last year for three months and I was really proud of myself because I got past you know, (laughs) five days. And it just, I, you know, I just did it in the end. I just didn't, it just wasn't something that I knew I wanted for the future, but I, um, I have gone on a lot of one or two dates, but I feel like I also know after the first date, if I want to see them again, and it seems like most often than not, if I'm meeting them on the apps, no, I don't want okay. to see them again. <laughs> okay. All right. What are you making that judgment call off of? Like what is happening on the date that is making you say like mm, on to the next on or after the first date? I'm wondering if like, I, before you answer that, I'm literally wondering now if the guy that you're not going on a second date with, that's the guy. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Tell, tell us why you're not. What are your, your criteria for no second date? For me, it's if I would rather be anywhere else than on the date. That's really my criteria. Where are your dates? Like at a, at a bar. Like this one what guy. Kind of bar? To, like a saloon. Is that or like a, a neighborhood bar? <laughs> Where the fuck do you live? A saloon. Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> Oh my God. Like a bar, a spa, you know, a saloon where Ben Franklin went (laughs) next to the ice cream shoppy (laughs) with Jughead. Um, Staring at um, the Liberty Bell. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, Look, I think that the criteria to a second, like, okay, I'm going to go back. I've sent, if you've listened to this podcast, you know exactly what I'm about to say, which is the purpose of the first dates to go on what? A second date. Yes. Good. Five stars. Uh, gold star rather. Okay. So purpose of first dates to go on a second date and the criteria to decide if you should go on a second date is, did I enjoy myself? Am I still curious about them? 
You mean to tell me that you've been on several first dates where you just were no longer curious about them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I believe you valid. That's fine. Yeah. I, and I also, I ask a ton of questions. I interview, I mean, questions. I don't need this. I don't be asking questions on a first date. Oh my God. Got to go back to my podcast. I need you to listen to the episode. Oh my God. It's, I'm going to, I'm going to shout out another hinge girly. You know, listen to my episode with Logan, Logan Yuri, where we talk about, you cannot ask questions on a first date. Yeah. It has to be full conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's let's practice. Okay. Let's, let's pretend we're on a speed date right now. Cause you know what? Mm-hmm. That's like the most popular question I've been getting lately. I guess there's like a lot of speed dating events in New York this past week. They're like, I'm going to speed dating event. What questions did I ask? And I'm like, literally none. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's practice. Um, okay. so I'm, I'm telling you now, you cannot ask me a question. Okay. Here's the, here's the hint. Okay. When okay. you're conversating, uh, so, you know, I'm, I want you to do with Alana. I'm going to have you two practice. Okay. Um, the, the, the name of the game here is to share a passion of yours that is value driven. Okay. So like, I'll give you a really good one. Okay. I'll give you like a prompt you say, uh, and you, oh, by the way, you should be able to make fun of yourself when you're going on an online date or a speed date. Like it's okay. It's completely ridiculous. Like for the last, you know, 65,000 years, humankind did not rely on you swiping away your soulmate. Okay. (laughs) So it's okay to be, to be funny. So you can say stuff like, let's say you can get off by saying, you know what? I don't want to give any more thing. Go. Oh, so I'm talking about something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So Alana, thanks for coming. Oh, I, I, you know, Alana, it's great, great to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, you too. <laughs> you look great tonight. Um, oh, I love that. I am. I'm currently um, embroidering some canvas, and I've. I'm really excited about this art project I want to do decorating my walls with all these embroidery embroidery faces and practicing my color theory. <laughs> that is so cool. That is How so did good. you get into that? Well, I just, you know, had a global pandemic and found out that I really like to embroider just like every other 30 something. And um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. <laughs> I love that. For me, during the pandemic, I got really into adult coloring books, specifically curse word coloring books. <laughs> and they ended up being such a big like stress reliever and, and creative outlet for me. But more than that, I learned that taking time away from my phone is the best thing that I can do for myself. So now I try yeah. and color like every day, even if it's for 10 minutes, just to not be on my phone for those 10 minutes. Yes. And now I want to ask a question to follow up with that. Uh-huh. Can I? Or no? Yeah, no, of course. But oh, do you okay, see how okay. you, no one's asked a question so far? And like, I've just learned a lot about both of you. So <laughs> now you can ask follow-up questions because that's what a conversation is. Okay. Okay. So my question would be, you know, what is, what are, what are the curse words? Are they people <laughs> talking or just really large letters of curse words? really large letters of curse words with like fuck in the middle, like giant, and then just designs around it. 
So now if I liked, if I liked Alana, you know what I would do next? I would say Alana, especially if this was on a first date, I would say, uh, not a first date. Like, let's say we were at a speed dating event, or if we were out at an event, like a networking event, I would say now this is, this is my move. Okay. I would say, can you show me on your phone? One of these images, and then you take their, they give you your phone, right. And they're, they're showing you. And then it's like, okay, while I have your phone, I'm going to give you my number. You're going to call me tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's the move. You can no say, we'll get together. We'll I'll bring we'll a bottle of wine over if you have a second coloring book and we'll color the night away. Yeah. What if, what if they are in a relationship? Cause it's a networking event. You're right. I would take their phone and be like, wow, that's really cool. Listen, I want to give you my number, but are, okay. are you available? Does someone think they're in a relationship with you? I love how you phrase that question. It's my oh, favorite yeah. thing. Oh yeah. 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 And then if they say, if they say, yes, I'm in a relationship, she is so lucky. If you, next time you hang out with your friends, you have to invite me. I believe birds of a feather flock together. Like how fucking yeah, I would totally network my ass into someone else's social life. Like, otherwise yes. what's the point? Yeah. Seriously. So I would straight up, like, I would be like, that is amazing. Next time you hang out with your friends, you have to invite me because I need to meet all the single guys if they're friends with you. That's it. You just gave yep. them a compliment yeah. and it's not, and it's just like, are you going to take, you know, like, can you, you know, can you take down my email? That way email is like less innocuous than like a phone number. If someone's in a relationship, like take down my mm-hmm. email next time you go to social event. I really love it. If you'd invite me, I'm, I'm really trying to meet someone special. Uh, and if they say they're not in a relationship, be like, okay, well I'm giving you my number. You know, my name is, you know, then you just kind of, that's what I would do. But you notice okay. like you just practice, right? And you did it like on the fly. Now imagine if I asked you for the next week, every time you talk to your girlfriends, think about what you're saying. And every time you hear something compassionate come out, write it down, put it in your notepad. So that next time you're at an event, you have like an arsenal of like five things you could choose from when it comes to like talking about your passions. Because I will tell you now as a professional matchmaker, the number one thing every single man has ever asked me for the last 15 years is she has to be someone who has a passion in her life. I don't care if it's her job or some volunteer thing, but she has something that she can talk about and get excited about because I, because that's, that's how men, like, I know I'm talking really heteronormatively, but I think most people, not just, not just straight men, uh, most people get really attracted to people when they see them talk about something that they're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. The difference is that women do this with other women all the time. Right. One easy way to get into those conversations, you know, if you are at a speed dating event or a networking event or on a first date with someone from an app, if they just ask you like, how was your week? Or what'd you do this weekend? You can jump right in like, oh, I was actually like up so late last night because I was so focused on like finishing this one part of this embroidery thing that I'm working on. And you can just weave it right in there. Even if that, even if that didn't happen last night, it's an easy way for you to bring it into a real conversation about something that matters to you. Oh, yeah. that's great. Come my best friend, is, on, my best friend is on this um, call. So she will remind me of all of this information. Good. And <laughs> also, it. of course, this will be on the podcast uh, on Tuesday. True. True. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. Okay. Thank you. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker hotline. How can we help you? Since I started listening um, for the past like two years, I started dating someone um, four-ish months ago. And I really, really like him. And like, I can see myself even like marrying him and very, I see it um, happening, like that it could be very serious. The Mm -hmm. thing is, um, I, before this relationship, I was in kind of a more toxic, emotionally abusive relationship that at the time I didn't really like realize was so bad, but this guy is 
like apples to um, lamps. He's totally different. He's magnificent. He's so um, just wonderful in every which way. And there's like no comparison to the other person that I had dated. Um, so I want to ask a multi-part question, okay. which includes um, how do I know if I'm rushing into it in my brain or if it actually is becoming more serious in actuality with him? And okay. how do I um, start having the more serious conversations about the future and marriage and future goals? And part three or C of that question is um, how much should I or should not bring I bring up about that past kind of toxic and problematic relationship? Let's start with the last question. How much do you want to share about your past trauma or do you not want to share? <laughs> um, so I do, and I have a little bit, I've kind of put little kernels of information out there because some of it is just relevant to my recent history um, in the past few years. But, and there is like a teeny bit of social overlap between some of my friends and the person I used to date, but it, I honestly sense it was so traumatic. I don't remember even all of it. So it's not totally a hundred percent needing to share it all. Okay. Then you're done. <laughs> like, I know, I know that's very quick, but it's like, I think, I think you'll look Ilana, maybe you have a personal example, but I have a personal example. Um, I had a, I had a really awful relationship in my early twenties and that carried on like to a lot of relationships after that, where I never talked about it. And because I was just like, it wasn't, we didn't date long enough for me to like share that. I do remember when I met my now husband, um, when I met him, I started sharing like little morsels, like things that he needs to know, because I was trying to set the expectation of like, this is unacceptable behavior that I went through. And I just want to make sure that you understand that this is unacceptable. And that was it. I, you know, any other trauma that I, you know, didn't work on already, like he would eventually learn as, you know, you conversate anytime you are with someone for a long time, you're going to naturally share. So my question to you is like, of all the things that you haven't shared with him, is it, do you think it's in benefit for, for him to know, or do you feel like you need to tell him every single thing that's happened in the past? Um, I like actually what you just said about sharing the little morsels that are actually relevant to your future and relevant to the relationship as it goes on with the person that I'm dating now. And I kind of feel like I have done that so far. Um, I shared maybe in the second month of us dating um, a story about a really bad experience on Valentine's Day when I gave the ex um, a stuffed animal. He said he doesn't like stuff stuffed animals and threw it away. And so I just let him know that if he doesn't like a gift, he can just let me know. Cause I was really nervous to get him a birthday present. Um, but oh my God, totally that different. So, that's all my heart that just broke so, a little. I know that's a good, I was that. that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. And what's even more heartbreaking about it is I really was just not aware of how problematic of a situation it was, but on the flip side, the person I'm dating now is so wonderful, so communicative, really just listens, asks questions. Um, and I even, we listened to an episode of your podcast together. Which um, one? I don't remember. It was just a snippet of one, um, like a month ago when we were driving together. Um, but so yeah, he's receptive to that too. And so um, it's really great. And so that was able to help me with the anxiety of gift giving. So your first two questions were about like, 
how do I know if I want, if this is my guy forever? And then like, mm-hmm. how do I communicate? Like, I want to start looking at serious and, you know, it's actually similar to the previous callers about like asking, conversating over questions. Mm-hmm. So I believe, and a lot, I'd love for you to chime in after this, but I believe that we tend to know in hindsight, we tend to know around the four to six month mark, like in hindsight, let's say you end up with this guy two years from now, you're going to say it was around this time when I was like, yeah, this is the guy. It's hard to tell right now because you're in the thick of it. But now to determine like, how do I talk about it? You actually need to start talking. Like I would advise you now that you need to start talking more about what you expect in your future to see if it aligns with him. And I'll give you an example. And I'm not asking questions. I'm talking about it. So for instance, I think one of the most, one of the biggest reasons that people divorce is financial incompatibility or like lifestyle incompatibility. So you need to start communicating your expectations. For instance, what are your five-year goals? What are your 10-year goals? And I'm not asking you to ask them that question as you're on a drive, instead of listening to my awesome podcast, start saying, you know, I was thinking about my 10-year goals and it includes, you know, I suppose being at this place at my job, um, you know, like what position, um, I think I would be interested in maybe also checking out like maybe an MBA certificate. Um, I hope I would get married. You know, I, I want to be married. I want to already have children possibly too. like, you're just talking to yourself and they're next to you listening. Um, another, one of those things that you can conversate about is like, when you have children, uh, who's paying for that education. Or if you have a close relationship with your parent, what happens when they get older? Um, like these are financial conversations, but they look like lifestyle conversations because that's what financial compatibility is. It's lifestyle compatibility. Um, Alana, what would you say? Yeah, I will say that when I've been with my boyfriend for about two years now, and when we first started having the more serious conversations, the way we did it was by talking about our childhoods and things that we would want to do the same as parents or things that we might want to look a little different or, you know, things, memories we have from growing up that we hope we can replicate for our kids. Or, you know, we both grew up a certain way and our conversations were about, well, if we can't afford that, like, what are, like, what are we willing to compromise on? And so we were able to have these conversations about the future by talking about our past and by teaching each other about the way we grew up. And it felt really organic. It felt like a really wonderful way to connect and to a learn more about each other, but B also kind of figure out how we would do this thing together. And it's okay to like work through those questions on in out loud in front of them. Like, you know, exactly. Alana said, I would also advise you to like, think about like, what are things you want to unlearn from your parents? You know, like as much of a great relationship you, you might have with your parents and I don't know you. Okay. So I, you might have a shitty relationship with your parents. I have no idea, but let's say you have a great relationship with your parents. There's still things in your upbringing that you want to unlearn. So next time you're talking about your child, you, you could say like, you know, I want to unlearn, like, uh, I mean, I can give personal examples from my own family. Like my parents never thought about like my parents growing up. And I know that there were immigrants in this country and I came here as a young child but they never thought about like my college education in the sense of like, how are we going to afford it? Like it just never, like, I remember applying to like Syracuse university and Northeastern. And then I went to like one of those, you know, convention halls where they do like the, what is it called? You know what I'm talking about? Like 
where they talk to talk to the parents. And my mom finds yeah. out that's like $30,000 a year. And I look over at her face. I'll never forget. I was 17 years old. And my mom looked like a ghost because she never it's thought more than about doubled since then. Let I me know, tell but you. she, and you know, my parents have, my parents are like lower middle-class, middle-class, you know, immigrants into this country, uh, paycheck to paycheck growing up. Right. And it's like, they had never thought about that part. It just never, it was just, you know, I don't, I think when you're struggling, you're not thinking about certain things, right. It's just not on their top priority. And I remember thinking like, oh shit, like I didn't, I was not aware. And now I'm a senior, like, well, what am I, what school am I going to go to? Cause I'm not getting a loan for my, like, you know, it's just a lot of things. And I ended up getting like a scholarship to a school in a, in Europe and then having to convince my dad, like, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving the continent. And my dad being like, why can't you go to Syracuse? And I'm like, it's 30,000 a year. Like, and that's like, that is a, con- I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you word for word, a con- that's a conversation I've had with my husband to the point where it's like, now I'm like, you should see, like, I have a college account for my kids. We talk about like their schooling every week. And it's like, what is the next 20 years of savings going to look like? What kind of house can we afford to buy right now? So we still have enough money to put on like in their savings. And, you know, George saying like, well, they need to get an academic scholarship. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things happening. And that is, that is a conversation we had like six months into our relationship. Yeah. That's really, what vulnerability is, right? I really like how you both phrased as um, looking into the past and talking about your past as like a format to talking to a new-ish, but not that new partner about the future. Because in a past podcast, I've heard you say before, like, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? And to me, that just sounded like such a formulaic question that I didn't yeah. know how to throw out there in just conversation, but I really like the um, much more easy way of incorporating it that way. So thank you. Next time you have to go through trauma or like you're going on a parental rant, just flip it and be like, next time you're everyone rants about their friends, their families, especially childhood friends and family. Okay. So next time you're on a rant, pivot and be like, here's what I want in my future. What would you do in your future? Is there something in the past? Does this resonate with you in your past? How would you do it in the future? And these conversations at some point, like you're having your stance, they're having your, their stance. At some point, if you keep having these competitions, they do start to, they start to integrate. And I feel like that can evolve to more and more topics as that comes up, like when I was delving into childhood and then talking about children or delving into um, complaining about my mom and then being a mother or different conversations like that can evolve over time. I feel like, I mean, what you're describing now is emotional resilience because that's what that is. And if you don't know what that means, I need you to Google it. There's definitely lots of literature out there, but emotional resilience is about being more self-aware and having a sense of control over like, okay, here's what I'm understanding. Here's what makes me, me. And here's who I want to be. And here are the steps I'm going to do to be that person. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I just want to say your podcast is incredible. And also the tip about um, someone seeming boring initially, actually making them perfectly compatible is something that I told my best friend about 13 months ago. And after listening to your podcast, she's getting engaged within the next few weeks. And you almost didn't go on a fourth date. She almost stopped after the third date. So that is amazing. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. I love that. I love that. What a way to end this episode. I just made me so happy. Well, shout out to you and all of your friends. And I hope, I, I hope the best. I hope for the best. 
Alana, how do you feel about your first hotline? You know, I'm going to have you back on, but how do you feel about your first hotline? I mean, it was everything and more. I'm still stuck on the dating things from the beginning. Um, and just love the questions that you all showed up with. I think they're very relatable. I think a lot of us, and, and I'm sure a lot of people listening in felt or have felt or have felt some aspect of what you guys are going through. And so just know like you're not alone and there is a way forward. And I think, you know, for everyone who's showing up and listening, it's like, you're already halfway there by doing the work and expanding your mind and being open to learning. So I think you guys are all doing great. (laughs) Uh, I love that. Alana, thank you so much for joining me on the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Where can people find you online? Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a blast. You can find Seeing Other People wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow on Instagram at Seeing Other People or on TikTok at Alana Dunn. Yeah, and I'm going to include Alana Dunn's and Seeing Other People's uh, links to their profiles in the show notes. So if you want to go there, follow her, check out her podcast. It's like she said, and it's on, it's wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, it's right there too. Right there. Um, and again, thank you for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Uh, and thank you, dear listener, for listening to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, why don't you head over and just don't give a five star review? Do it. Do it. Do it. it tell a, a friend. Tell five tell friends. Five. You tell know, your coworkers. Tell your dog pre- walker. That previous caller forwarded my podcast and her friend got engaged after 14 months. That could be you and your friends, apparently. Could be you. So let's make it happen. Um, and of course, uh, be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. See you next week. <laughs>